Hey guys, I'm Logan. And I'm Patsy. And this is Chills, a true crime podcast. One that's sure to give you chills. All right. Hello, hello. So, welcome back. Yes, welcome back. Um, as always, if you are liking the show, please recommend us to a friend and rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm in the process of ordering some more stickers. So, if you send us a screenshot of your review, we will send you one. Um, I'm really excited for today's episode. Because y'all loved the episode we did on Carla Brown. So many people loved that the episode, because the person was that was convicted was a local, was in our local prison. And so I have another case where the person convicted is in our local prison. But this one's a little bit different because he re- was released on February 21st. Dun, dun, dun. Of this year? Yes, of this year. Oh, wow. So very recently so now this is actually going to be another episode in our solved or is it series so exactly like the carla brown case um so strap in ladies and gents and let's talk murder okay so our case is going to start on march 14th 1960 so whenever you guys are listening to this which is saturday literally the anniversary so what, that's 40, 69 years? I'm horrible. No, math. 70 years because it's 2020 now. Yeah, 60, yeah. Yeah, right? 40, 40 60. 60. 60. <laughs> oh, God, <myth> is, <laughs> I told you I was horrible at math. Math's hard. Math's, I'm the one that said 70, like a freaking dumbass. Okay. Uh, uh, roundabout way. 60 yeah. years of 60-year anniversary of their death. So that's crazy. Um, also, I have a cold, so I apologize if you can hear me sniffling, coughing, all of the things. So. It's just a cold, though. Yes, go, just a cold, not the coronavirus, I promise. <laughs> okay. So, March 14, 1960. Three women, Lillian Oting, who was 50, Frances Murphy, who was 47, and Mildred Lindquist, who was 50, um, all were from the Chicago area, and they decided that they were going to go on a little four-day trip to Starved Rock State Park near Utica, Illinois, which is about four hours away from us. Why are you nodding your head? I remember this. I remember hearing about this one. You remember this mm-hmm. case? Mm-hmm. The Starved Rock mm-hmm. murders? Oh, wow. That's crazy. Okay. That's super interesting. I think because I looked you it up. You weren't even born until 67. No, I remember listening to a podcast about this. And I wanted to know where it was at, so I looked it up. Oh, really? You yeah. listened to podcasts? Uh, normally, I will look and see if there's any like episodes related was, to this case. I, I should have Crime Junkies when I very first started listening to Crime Junkies. Was it really? I think so. Normally, I look, and I didn't look on this one. Huh. I just thought it was so interesting that he was in our local prison and mm. was just released. Okay. Because that's actually how I found the case was on our like local like press web like facebook page i don't remember them saying where he was in prison or anything but it seems like i remember the women going to the park Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'll have to look at that that's interesting okay get further into it i'll tell you if it's the one or not okay so in all the articles i read i couldn't really find a bunch of information like about the women like their personalities or anything like that um, one big thing that was like constantly mentioned is that all three women were married to prominent businessmen and all three affin- attended the Riverside Presbyterian Church and they were obviously friends. All three of them were friends. 
So they arrived at the Starved Rock Lodge and they checked in and had some lunch uh, before deciding to go on a hike through the St. Louis Canyon. So I looked this up and I guess it's like a pretty pretty popular hiking spot and there's a waterfall and like rock climbing walls where like people can rock climb and I mean it looks really pretty. So they set off in the snow with some binoculars and a camera. Um, there's actually like photos from this hike and I will have them posted on our Instagram page which is kind of like it's I feel like it's so creepy whenever there's like a video before someone's death or like photos before someone's death because like it's literally right before. Mm-hmm. I, it's just like so creepy because I know. it's stuff will come up on YouTube that'll say, you know, people's last picture before their death. Yeah, I'm I mean, like, like their oh, last oh, moments, yeah. like or literally their last just, words before their death or something like that. And I just, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I probably just minutes before mm-hmm. they were actually murdered, and that's like, uh, it's just so much creepier. So one of the the women's husbands. Um, I don't know which one, just because I found, like, different articles said different, hus- like, different, what? That's a fat cat. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's probably the fattest cat I've ever seen. That's the one that hangs out in our backyard. <laughs> okay. Anyhow. Okay. <laughs> We're in my bedroom, and we have, like, the windows open, and so we can see the cat, the neighbor's cat, who literally just hangs out in our backyard. Okay. Um. Anyway. Like I said, I can't figure out which of the women's husband, um, all the articles have, like, one of, like, it's listed differently. All I know is that his name was George. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. But, again, that's kind of conflicting information because out of the articles, they go, they say, like, a different woman. Um, regardless, his name was George, and he called the lodge to ask about his wife as he hadn't heard from her because she had promised to call him when they got back from their hike. Um, The staff told him that his wife had left the lodge and would call him the next morning when she returned. So he went to sleep, you know, not thinking anything of it. Then the next morning when he hadn't received a call, he started to worry and he called the lodge again. So the employee who answered told him that the three women had been seen at breakfast and were currently out of the lodge and reassured him that everything was just fine and that he, they would call him whenever they got back. And so he ended the call. And that night, a winter, sto- a winter storm hit, which brought several inches of snow. Which honestly, like, the fact that they were going hiking in snow, like, uh, yeah, that's more odd. power to them. Yeah, I would, that's odd. I mean, I don't know. I, maybe that's like a common thing yeah, up there. If there's a waterfall, you wouldn't be able to see it. That's true, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it'd be frozen. Well, I don't know. Waterfalls don't freeze. People do that crap, though, in, like, Colorado. I've never been to Colorado. So, I don't know. Maybe that's something that people do. I would not. I mean, I don't even go hiking. I feel like you'd have to be a real true hiker, not just for Christian women out. Well, and, I mean, they were in their 50s, so, I mean, Mm -hmm. not that they're, like, old, but, I mean, they were getting it. I mean, I don't even hike in nice weather, so I'm definitely not hiking. <laughs> I don't in the hike, snow. period. What are you talking no, about? That's true. That's true. Okay. So, like I said, that, that night a winter storm hit, and there were several inches of snow that it brought with it. 
So then George called the lodge again on Wednesday morning, but the staff could not locate his wife. He insisted that something was wrong, and the staff entered the women's rooms and found that the the beds and bags had been untouched. So they checked the parking lot and found the station wagon the women had driven in had not been moved either. So right after he got off the phone with the lodge, he called his friend who was the operating director of the Chicago Crime Commission who contacted the state police and other law enforcement agencies in the area. So immediately, the police organized a search of the park, and on the same day, they discovered the three women's bodies in a cave in the cannon. They were partially clothed. Um, They had nothing on their lower half. Their legs were spread open. They were bound with twine, and there was a small layer of snow covering their bodies. Mm. Um, They were covered in blood, and their legs had bruises all up and down them. So the state police started searching the area. So if you remember, a storm had hit, and there were several inches of snow everywhere. Um, Minus where the bodies were found, because remember, they were found in, like, the cannon. Mm -hmm. And so um, there was kind of like a... It was kind of like a cave, almost, type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, where their location was, it was only, like, a very thin layer because, obviously, it came in through, like, the opening. Right. Like, the the entry, and so it wasn't, like, falling right down on them directly. Um, so, everywhere else, outside of, like, the cannon and everything, um, there were, you know, several inches of snow. So, this covered up footprints, like, blood, and just literally any kind of evidence so this obviously like led them to believe that they were murdered that day whenever they went on the hike and so whoever told him that he had seen like the three women was obviously mistaken due to the fact that that winter storm had hit Hmm. and there was like all the snow everywhere so um i read something where there was like six inches of snow or something so i mean pretty good amount Um, So police had to carefully remove the snow and upon doing so found signs of a violent struggle. So they found the camera and binoculars both covered in blood. They found a tree limb that was stained in blood and realized quickly that that was probably the murder weapon um, because the women had been like bludgeoned to death. Mm. So investigators believe that the women were murdered deeper in the cannon and that their bodies had been dragged in position under the rock ledge. So autopsies were performed, and so due to the cold, um, it was difficult to determine if the women had been raped or not, just to, like due to like the cold and then them being covered in snow and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's assumed just for the fact that they didn't have like clothes on their bodies, mm-hmm. but obviously, like from like a medical standpoint, like it can't be like confirmed. So the doctors determined that they had been murdered shortly after they had eaten. So very shortly after they had eaten lunch that day. Mm-hmm. You know, so they've literally probably not been hiking very long at all. So it's crazy. So Sounds like they hadn't been there very long at all. Period. Yeah, no, no, they hadn't. Um, so all three suffered severe head trauma. And like I said, they had believed that they had been bludgeoned to death with the tree limb. So, this made people freak out. Like, I mean, people were freaking out over this. 
Within minutes of the bodies being discovered, a reporter was on scene and reporting about the murders, and fear crippled, crippled the entire northern Illinois area. And, I mean, the case kind of went cold. I mean, with so little evidence, I mean, it was hard to kind of figure out what had happened. Yeah, maybe if it would have been a different season. Yeah. Because the snow and the cold weather definitely hindered a lot. I mean, footprints, Mm -hmm. any kind of evidence, you know, would be buried. So at this point, they started to look at the one thing that had been left behind the killer left behind by the killer, which was the twine. So research revealed that there were two kinds of twine used, a 20-ply cord and a 12-ply cord. So they went on a hunt for the source of the twine, starting out at the lodge. So then in September of 1960, deputies met with the manager of the lodge's kitchen, and they found both kinds of the twine there used for wrapping food. So you remember this? Mm -hmm. I uh, don't this remember the, this. I've listened to all the yeah, crime jockey episodes. One. Okay, that's crazy. So could an employee be responsible for the deaths? Well, it turns out right after the murders, all the employees had been given a lie detector test and everyone passed. So they immediately decided to question the employees who had worked the week of the murder more in depth. So this is when former dishwasher Chester Odo Wegger got on police's radar. So Chester was given another polygraph test, and right after the test, the tech told police, and I quote, that's your man. So Chester was 21 with a wife and two young children. He had worked at the lodge until that summer when he resigned to go into business with his father as a house painter. He incorporated, nope, that's not the word. He cooperated with the police (laughs) fully. He surrendered a jacket he owned with dark stains that had... Um, that after tested turned out to be blood, but could not be matched to the blood type of any of the women. So he also went into a series of polygraph tests and failed all of them. This is whenever he was put under constant surveillance by the state police. They started looking into Chester's past and if there were any similar crimes in the area. So, a rape and robbery had taken place in 1959, about a mile from the lodge. The young woman was approached with a stack of mugshots, and when she came across the face of Chester Wegger, she began to scream. So, this is where I'm kind of like, what? So, instead of arresting him right then and there, they waited. It was an election year, and there was fear that, yeah, there was fear that the the defense attorneys would simply say that he was arrested to close the murder case so that the current state's attorney would be reelected. Yeah. Spoiler alert, he was not. <laughs> so, finally, after the election, he was arrested for the 1959 rape. They picked him up at his house under the pretense of more questions. When he arrived at the station, he was questioned about the rape and then about the murders. So he was interrogated until after midnight when he asked to see his family. And so his mom and his dad was brought to the station. And before he saw them, he admitted to murdering the women saying, and this is a direct quote, all right, I did it. I got scared. I tried to grab their pocketbook. They fought and I hit them. Um, And obviously it was not a pocketbook. It was the camera case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So during the confession, whenever he was asked why he had dragged the bodies under the overhang in the St. Louis Cannon, Weger said that he had spotted a small airplane flying low over the park. He said that he was afraid that it was state police, and so he moved the bodies so that they could not be seen from above. A few days later, the flight over the park was confirmed by the pilot's testimony and logbook. So, Chester confessed on multiple occasions over the next few days. He also reenacted the killings for policemen at the cannon. And there's actually photos of this by mm-hmm. the press. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that will be posted on our Instagram as well. Um, so then after the meeting with his court-appointed attorney, Chester changed his story and stated he was innocent and had been coerced into a confession. He also stated that he had been fed information about the case and claims he was in Augsleby. I have no idea how to say that, but apparently it's a town, um, a couple towns over. So um, he, he claims that he was there at the time of the murders. So Chester's trial began January 20th, 1961. The new state's attorney, um, which this was his first murder case, decided to file charges against Chester for only one of the three murders, the reason being if there was a mistrial or he was acquitted, they could still charge him with the other murders. So they also sought the death penalty. So Chester's three-year-old daughter was barred from attending the murder trial to prevent the jury from being swayed by her, and I quote, big blue eyes, golden curls, and winsome smile. Which I didn't even know that that was like something that you could do. I didn't even think kids could go in there unless they were like on tar, like being asked. Oh, I mean, this was something. the '60s, so true. How old was he when he got caught? Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Yeah. Yeah. This is the case. That's crazy. Mm. I'm gonna literally have to listen to it now, um, just to make sure that I got all of my information <laughs> correct. Okay. So then on March fourth, no, no. So then on March fourth, Chester was found guilty. And on his 22nd birthday, he was sentenced to life imprisonment. Which clearly life imprisonment does not mean oh. life in prison. So, as the jurors were leaving, reporters asked them if they knew that a life sentence in Illinois meant that Chester would be eligible for parole, for parole in a few years. Most of the jurors were shocked. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, they obviously didn't imposed the death penalty on him they just posed life imprisonment and they just assumed that life imprisonment meant life imprisonment but that's what you would think because why call it that well i mean i feel like that was probably the state's attorney's yeah um fault yeah i mean that was probably his job to explain to them mm-hmm. hey this is what this means i mean because they probably would have found him i mean they probably would have Imposed the death penalty. Yeah, because it wasn't just one. Yeah, it was three. So. I mean, one's bad enough, but it was three. Yeah, it was that three. That should be like three life sentences. Well, spoiler alert, they literally only charged him with the one murder. Wow. And I mentioned this later on in my notes, but he was only charged for that one murder. murder. Mm. They, the state's attorney didn't think to go ahead and even try him for the other two because he already got life imprisonment. Wow. Yeah. I mean, 
he could have gotten three life sentences. Job very well. This was his first murder murder trial. Oh well, that explains it. Yeah, did you not hear me when I said that? Yeah, this was his first murder trial. I was watching next door. (laughs) Yeah, the murder. (laughs) So Chester Weger, who I'm hopefully saying that last name correctly. I'm not sure if that's it, but hopefully, he was incarcerated at the Statesville Penitentiary in Joliet. Is it? Is it Joliet? Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, then he was moved to Illinois River Correctional Center in Canton, and then eventually moved to the Paintyville Correctional Center. I was going to ask where he went, because I know Paintyville has not been open that long. So I was wondering where he was at before. Yeah. Mm. Which I'm not sure. I couldn't find what year he went to the Paintyville um, prison. But, like, literally, because I found one article... And it said, it literally just stopped whenever it said that he was incarcerated at the Statesville Penitentiary. And I was like, uh, girl, you wrong. Or boy, whoever wrote it, you wrong. Because, yes, he went there, but he also went somewhere else, so you wrong. And, I mean, obviously, he technically was not wrong. Because it just, like, ended at the Statesville. Mm. Like, he didn't update it to, like, say where else he went. Um... So then in September 1962, the Illinois Supreme Court upheld Chester's conviction and life sentence. And then on February 8th, 1963, the rape and robbery charges were dismissed because they were not brought to trial on the charges. Um, No, let me redo this. Why is word so hard for me today? So then on February 8th, 1963, the rape and robbery charges were dismissed because they were not brought to trial on the charges within four months of his arrest which is required by law which i know if i was the woman who he raped and robbed i would be freaking livid like dude that's your freaking job to bring this shit to trial so that way he is convicted for it Mm -hmm. like i would be so pissed because like you didn't get justice you made her relive you know, basically the rape by showing her these mugshots and seeing his face all over again. I mean, I'd be so pissed. I'd be so freaking pissed. And I mean, honestly, like, that's the state's attorney's freaking fault. Like, clearly he should not have been elected and the original guy should have been re-elected just because, one, he knew the case. He was the one that was following the case and a part of the case. Right. But, I mean, I kind of get that people were probably pissed off that he was not arrested. I mean, his plan kind of backfired. So, anyway. Not that it was his, like, plan to, like, do that so he would be reelected. I'm just saying, like, his plan to not immediately arrest him so that way he, like, you know, his defense couldn't have been, like, oh, hey, he only convicted him because it was election year. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that happens a lot. I've heard I've heard other stories like this before, so. Yeah. It's election year, so we can't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I don't know. So then in April of 1963, Chester wrote an autobiography claiming his innocence, and it was given to the Chicago Tribune. So but he admitted to it. And now he's remember, he says that he um, was coerced. Mm-hmm. Of course. Change yeah. your story. So then in July 8th, so July 8th, 2004, DNA testing was done on items including Chester's coat and hair found, which showed the samples had been contaminated, which mm. isn't that how it goes every time? Mm-hmm. 
So then June 27th. I feel like it, sh- it would be. You know what I mean? Yeah, after all, after literally all those years. That's yeah. What, 50, 50, 40 some odd years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 44 years. Like 44 years, yeah. So in, in June 2007, the Illinois governor denies Weger's um, petition for parole. So then in November 21st, 2019, so literally last November, he was granted parole on his 24th try. Mm. He literally tried to get parole 24 times. So then his release was delayed 90 days after the Illinois Attorney General's office sought to have him evaluated under the state's Sexually Violent Persons Commitment Act. 90 days would have been. Yeah. So the law requires proof that a person suffers that, like the law requires that a person suffers from a mental disorder and that it is substantially probable that he or she will commit acts of sexual violence as a result. So if he would have been like found i guess like that he had this mental disorder mm-hmm. um he would have been held in prison until he actually died but he obviously was not found to be you know not to have this mental disorder mm-hmm. so i'm kind of confused though on how they were evil even able to evaluate him just for the simple fact that he wasn't charged with that the rape the 1959 rape case and then they also couldn't prove that he raped those three women. So I would think that, like, you would not be able to even evaluate him for this. Like, it would be against his, like, constitutional rights or something. I don't know. Because you have absolutely, like, no, I guess, technical reason. Like, obviously everyone assumes that he, that they were raped, but he was never convicted of anything, any rape, so... I don't know. I don't know how all that works, but either, especially back then. Yeah. Regardless, he wasn't found to have this mental disorder. And then on February 21st, 2020, he at 80 years old, he was released from the Pinckneyville Correctional Center and the press caught up with him. And this is a direct quote from him. They ruined my life. They locked me up for 60 years for something I've never done. End quote. So, some people have doubts about whether Trusted committed the murders or not. The reason being for, one, the evidence that was used to convict him would not stand up in court today. And I agree with that. His prosecution was based on his confession. His prosecution was based on his confession, which was before the Miranda warnings that are required today. Hmm. So, that's interesting. And then people question how a small, slight man like Chester could have overpowered the three middle-aged women and then moved their bodies by himself. Um, I'll show you a picture real quick of him. He's very, he's like a tiny, tiny little, little guy. He's like short and he's like small. Yeah, I don't know. That's That's him. him. Yeah, that's him whenever he was released. And he's 80, wow. Yeah, 82 years old. Here's a picture of the women. Here's room. another one. Which right this before. one, doesn't this one look so weird? It almost looks like a ghost. It does. Yeah, it's so creepy. It does. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. And again, all of these pictures, that's the Star Rock Lodge. 
um all that's something else all these pictures will be on our instagram page those are the three women Hmm. and then this is them um this is the the picture that the um reporter who was like literally on scene right after the murders got Hmm. and that was what was released so that's him as well then this is him reenacting the murders in the canon. How do you get co- coerced into committing a murder? He says that it was like the threat of death that there the policemen and deputies said that he would that they would kill him if he didn't do it. Mm. If he didn't commit to it, admit to it. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about the whole thing. I, I mean, if he well. didn't do it, it's very, very sad that he yeah. spent that many years in prison, you know, and clearly he had a kid and, you know, didn't get to see his dad grow her dad grow up. But I don't know. It's just, it well, isn't. I also feel like, okay, so they have no motive, which I, I mean, we know that it's like pretty hard to convict somebody with a motive in today's day and age without a motive in today's day and age. They don't have any motive for him. Like, what What was the motive? Why did he do it? Because they couldn't prove that he was, that they were raped. So they can't say, okay, it was a sexual motive. So, I mean, there's really no motive. And I'm, I mean, yeah, the whole robbery motive. I mean, I guess you could go with that, but. Yeah, I don't, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't either. I don't know. It's a very weird case. So, and this is where it's going to get weirder. So, apparently there was a deathbed confession that allegedly occurred in 1982 or 1983. Very specific there. (laughs) So, a Chicago police sergeant submitted an affidavit in 2006 that recounted the confession of, like, this deathbed confession. So it was being used in court to support a motion for new DNA tests in the Starved Rock murder case. The affidavit stated that he and his partner were called to St. Luke's Presbyterian Hospital to see a terminally ill patient who wanted to clear her conscience. Clear her conscience? Yes. So this is a direct quote from the Chicago Tribune article, which I found this information from. The woman was lying in a hospital bed, and I went over toward her, and she grabbed hold of my hand. She indicated that whenever she was younger, she had been with her friends at a state park when something happened. She was at a park in Utica, and things got out of hand. Multiple victims were killed, and they dragged their bodies. End quote. So the sergeant said that the woman's daughters cut the interview short, shouting that their mother was out of her mind and ordering the police from the room. In the affidavit, the exact date of the interview or the women's name was not provided, which, like, what the hell? The affidavit did not address whether or not there was any follow-up or why the confession was not presented until 2006. The alleged confession was not allowed into court hearings. I don't know about that either because clearly right. she was sick. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I just don't understand the whole thing. Why like, would she come out and say it? I, I, how I do know. you not have an exact date for it? How do you not have the woman's name 
like there's just so many like unanswered information there like there's just literally no information about it it's just like one guy saying okay yeah this happened I mean maybe it happened we have no idea because there's no proof so then maybe she read about it someday and it's always been in the back of her mind and it just you know they say I don't know maybe she was just thinking about it or resorting back to it I don't know or she really did it and somebody was wrong well, I mean there's so many different things you don't know and I know you have no idea on it. Mm-hmm. but you know it's just like whenever I don't know if she had Alzheimer's or anything I don't know yeah, no, I mean, we don't know any information about her. sometimes when you have Alzheimer's that you resort back towards your childhood. Mm-hmm. And so maybe she was resorting back to something she remembered or heard or read about. or You know, you know what I mean? There's, yeah. You don't know. I mean, we don't even know if it really happened. Exactly. Because, I mean, there's no information about it, which... I don't even know why it's something that's even mentioned if there's no information about it. Because, I mean, clearly you can't even... That's like, what I was thinking when you read it. I thought, yeah. Why would they even do that if it's not legit? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you can't I'm even, like... I'm sure there's lots of other leads that was not... Didn't pan out, but yeah. they didn't throw that in the mix. So, yeah. I don't know. So, Chester was previously the longest-serving inmate incarcerated by the state of Illinois and the third longest in U.S. history before his release. So isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. That's like insane. So he will turn 81 soon and will live and receive support services at the St. Leonard's Ministries in Chicago. As a veteran, he will receive social security benefits and medical coverage from Veteran Affairs. Which, like what? I'm like so confused. Like, Well, if he didn't do it, mm, yeah, more power to him, but mm. I'm confused on how you can still, like, receive any of those benefits after prison. Mixed feelings again once once again about that. I mean, I didn't know that that was, like, even a thing, that you still received your benefits. I mean, I understand we have to take care of our veterans 100%, but, geez, this might be a different story. But he was literally in prison for, like, 60 years, like... I don't know. I, I really don't think he should be receiving social security benefits and medical coverage from Veteran Affairs. There are veterans out there who have not murdered somebody. Yeah, they're not getting the benefits they need. Yeah. It's crazy. So, I don't know. Um, hmm. I don't, what do you think? What do you, what do you think about it? I don't Anything. know. It's just a confusing, confusing thing because... He says he didn't do it. Yeah. He spent a lot of time in prison for not doing it. I know if I didn't do it and I spent that long in prison, I'd be fighting mad. I mean, he fought 24 times to get paroled. But not to get his conviction overturned. Just to get paroled. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I feel like if you were innocent, you would probably try and get your conviction overturned. I don't know why you would let somebody coerce you into saying you murdered somebody. It happens all the time. I mean, because basically, he's like, well, I was fearing for my life. You spent your life in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know if it would have been worse. You know what I mean? It's like 
choices. I mean, I don't want to be like, oh, yes, he did it. Because, I mean, dude, this has got, I mean, this guy is out of prison now. But he is also 80 years old, so he's probably not going to come find me and murder me. So, I think he did it. (laughs) Well. It's just really convenient how he didn't say, okay, yeah, I was coerced into it until after he met with his attorney. I don't know. Um, I did find where, I'll pull it up real quick, on the, like I mentioned it before, um, it's called, it's the Paintyville Press is what it is, so it's the newspaper out of Paintyville, which mm-hmm. is where the, um, is the prison is at. So they did like a little article on the Facebook page um, where he, like saying that he was released and that... Um, just, like, talking about, like, a little bit of information about, like, the murders and stuff. My whole point of this is I went and read through the comments on this Facebook post. And there's, like, a lot of mixed comments. Like, I'm going to show you some of them. Um, so a lot of people are like, okay, he was convicted for being a fall guy. I feel terrible for him. Um, and he could have been, you know. I mean, yeah. he, he could have been. And if, and if that's the case... That's sad. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there's three women that's dead. And so you can't feel too bad. Yeah. Because they are not coming back. They're not getting to relive their life after, you know, mm-hmm. 60 years. And only they, him, yeah. the good Lord above knows. Actually knows what happened. It. So, I mean, this guy right here, he says, this guy has been locked up since he was 21. Now, what is the what is this going to do being back out in the world? There's some typos there. Uh, my answer is he will commit another crime to go back to the big house. I don't know. At the age of 80. Well, and the fact after done. going 24, 24 paroles, um, he ain't coming back. I don't know. He might not know how to live in... I mean, think about it. Almost 60 years in prison, life has changed so much. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say he needs to go back. Oh, when someone, some one person says, when is Lillian's parole? Which that was the, um, he was convicted for Lillian's murder. That was the one woman's murder that he mm-hmm. was convicted mm-hmm. for. Yeah. Um. So his sister's actually still alive, and she's actually one of the people that was, like, really fighting for his parole and was, like, saying that she really wanted to, uh, you know, she wanted her brother to be able to get out and, like, you know, live a life for what he had left before he died. I can see that if it's your sister or your brother. I can see you want your family member out, but... And the thing is, if it was so cold, if it was so dry, cut, you know. Yeah, yes, cut and no. dry, yeah. Yeah, cut and dry. That's what I'm looking for. The, yeah, then it would be a different story, but it's not. Not at all. I read an article from, it was written by Lillian's granddaughter. And um, she said that whenever they got like the, you know, notice that he was being released for parole, that he was like up for parole and was actually going to be released this time. Her mom was actually, like, relieved just for the simple fact that she would not have to ever receive a letter with his name ever again. 
Because, I mean, you know, there were, they, she received a letter every single time he was up for parole. So 24 times mm. she received a letter and, you know, like, went through that, like, constant, like, worry. And just, I'm sure every time she received a letter, just basically went through everything all over again. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and she said that her mom, I, I don't remember how old her mom was, but her mom was pregnant with her. She said that she, it was, like, a really, like, moving article she said that she, like, just thinks about, like, what it would be like for, you know, her. Because she's obviously growing. She obviously grew up with her own mother and mm-hmm. with her mother, you know, being a part of her, you know, grandchildren's lives and everything. And so she thinks about what it it was probably like to not be able to grow up mm-hmm. with your mother and being pregnant and not. Yeah. I can see that. And so I'm sure it was really hard to uh, see those constant parole mm-hmm. letters. I don't like cases that you don't really know the answer to. You know what I mean? It's like, you kind of want to feel bad, but then it's like... Mm. I think he did it. I don't know. I'm thinking he did. But, I mean, I could 1,000% be wrong. I don't know, after almost 60 years, he's still denying it? I mean, you already did the time. Why not just confess if you really did it? Well, I know that you get out, people's going to hate you even more, so... Mm, well, and not. you're probably not going to get up for parole. Yeah, but he's uh, if he if he walks out and says he did it, I don't think they can do anything about it. Well, no, I, I just mean before. That's probably why he doesn't admit, mm-hmm. like, admit to it in prison, but... Because, like, he could write a book about it now, about doing it. Hey, who knows? He may. there's nothing anybody could do about it. He may. Who knows? Although I don't know, because he hasn't been tried for the other two, remember? Ooh, you're right. He can't. So he could be tried again. Yeah. Because didn't put him. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't. Well, there you go. That's why he keeps denying mm-hmm. it, because they could probably bring charges against yeah. him for the other two. Because you can't be tried for the same crime twice. Yeah. Smart. So yeah. he was never tried for them. Yep. That's... And no wonder he's not going to admit to it mm-hmm. because he could be. Yep. Yeah. Mm. I do find it interesting, though, that they didn't go ahead and charge him for the other two. Like, why wouldn't you want to give him, like, literally the maximum amount? Like, obviously, I know he was literally the longest person in prison in Illinois, but. That's a long time time but if not he did mention, it not long enough imagine the 1960s okay now imagine getting out in 2020 just imagine the was, freaking changes holly lived three years in the 60s yeah so i don't remember well, regardless but the, imagine the, the 70s i remember imagine the 70s, the 70s like it has changed so much. Honestly, in the last freaking 10 years, it's changed so much. It's going to be a freaking culture shock, and mm-hmm. he's not going to know what to do anyway. So, I mean. Well, I've heard a lot of people don't know how to adjust once they get out of prison because it's so different. Mm-hmm. They wish they wouldn't have got out, and they'll do something well, to go back in. And those are people who have literally been in prison for yeah. a short amount of time. Imagine being in prison for 60 years. Well, he ain't been out very long. No. A Not even a month. Couple, yeah, weeks. Hmm. 
yeah it's crazy but that's all we have for the case do you have anything else to talk about no no me either i've just been watching the id channel a lot me too been i got the id app on my phone now so (laughs) it's on a lot (laughs) been listening to killer queens Mm-hmm. I've been listening to that. I really like it. Doing my morbid. Yeah, I was listening to all my normal ones. But that's really it. We are going to go in full wedding planning mode we on Saturday. Because We're we less have than nine not, months away. We haven't done shit. Well, we've like done a lot. We just haven't done a lot for the planning. Now the hard I mean, work we've begins. really just done decor, though. I know. We we've haven't done really the easy done. Part. Now the yeah. hard work starts. Finding caterers and bands or DJs or whatever you want. Done nitty gritty. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of work. Ugh. All right, but it'll be fun. Oh, yeah. But that is all we have for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed, and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.